The sun is down, the moon is hiding, and the clouds are rolling over the stars. All is quiet. Your TV plays some game show in the background, and all's well in the world. The smell of fish and sea wind fills your homes at all times, and you don't notice it here in the low country of the East Coast. Your whole family have always lived here, for as long as anyone can remember, along the lines of the Carolinas. Maybe, though, you're from Georgia or Florida. While the states may change, the familiar sights and smells don't. The sound of bugs and insects rock you into a state of sleepiness, and hopefully you rest this time. It's been days since you've gotten any good rest, and, and no amount of melatonin helps. Maybe you just need a vacation. You breathe deep, knowing that you're safe in your home. But this is the year 2022. Your grandmother always told you growing up to keep the doors and the windows closed at night. But it's hot, and your AC is down. The summer air is sticky and hot here, and the only way to cool off in your home is with open doors and windows. They've been open for weeks with no issues. Your town's safe, and you ain't worried about break-ins here. She told you to keep newspapers open near the doors, leave them on the porch, leave them everywhere. But who keeps newspapers when you can read them on your phone? You don't care too much about most of the articles anyway. All of your news comes from the internet if it's that important. Brian comes from a different world. The old broom that she kept beside the door passed out of the house when she did. There was no need for it. It was old and ragged, the bristles broken and too aged to clean. They were numerous and old, cracked and broken down at the ends. The wooden handle left splinters in your hand when you threw the old thing out. You, my friend, are safe here. Your home is your castle. And nothing can break the walls that surround you. You lay down to sleep. The workday was exhausted. Like almost every night since you've moved here, you wake up exhausted and sick the following morning. The dreams of evil and demonic creatures came yet again. But your family has always had history of bad dreams, so you never thought anything of it. As you walk through the house, gathering your morning coffee and breakfast bagel, you see it. The cracked open front door. You're sure that you closed it the night before and your heart skips a beat. Your walls quickens, your muscles tense, and you feel your eyes narrow in preparation. Was there an intruder? Were things stolen? Well, yes, but not in the way you think. You live your life as normal, other than this small change. Your day will come and go, as usual, until that night. I'm Brad. And I'm Alyssa. Welcome to Strange History, the podcast where we talk about, you guessed it, Strange History. This is episode three of our Halloween spooktacular theatricon Man or Monster mashup, and today we will be discussing a very specific type of home intruder. Our weird history makes us, and an important part of our history, have always been the things that go bump in the night. And there are a few scarier places in the world than the American South. In the land of swamps, abandoned coastlines, and missing cities, the Atlantic coastal plains of the United States has always been rather mysterious. There are numerous mythical monsters that one can find here, such as Bigfoot and Chupacabra, among various others. Episode 35, Ain't You Scared?
One of these many creatures comes from the Gulagiji people, who are descendants of slaves living in the coastal region of the United States. The Gulagiji occupy an area nearly 500 miles long, and with almost a million people linking to them in modern times, they are regarded as their own civilization in the area. The first of the Gula could be found back in the year 1500 as slaves in the Carolina Territory. All of African descent, the Gulagiji brought their own way of life and their own culture to the Americas, but as the slave masters beat their humanity out of them, much of their culture became lost. By 1700, roughly 40% of all slaves in the United States were of Gulagichi descendant. Today, their 500-mile stretch of land is considered endangered and protected territory, cared after by one of the oldest non-native population groups in the country. And, slowly but surely, their culture and their stories are making a slow but steady comeback. Their food is often regarded to be the oldest in the country, as it didn't change when the Gula were stolen from their homes in Africa and brought to the New World. Rice is always a major part of their dishes, as well as peppers, numerous vegetables, fish, crawfish, pork, venison, etc., etc. What? You say, like, naturally, crawfish, crayfish, crawdads. Crawfish. Crawfish. Is that what you say? Yeah. What? I say crawdads. Crawfish. They're fish that crawl. They're crawdads. Growing up, they were <laughs> crawdads. An important part of cooking in the traditional Gula method is to cook according to the taste. And you have to ensure that you remember, live off the water, or live out of the water and live off the land. I really wish I could explain more as to what that means, but I could find nothing online other than that. What was it? Live off the water? Live out the water, live off the land. I mean, it seems to make sense for some reason, but it also does. it does doesn't. not make sense. Yeah. I don't know. Of course, it wasn't just their food and their language that made the Atlantic Crossing. It was also their monsters. The things that made them who they were over 500 years ago, the things that still make them who they are today, and the things that influence our lives. Every culture has its evil things, and every culture has its way of keeping you safe from those evil things. You lay there that night, woken up by a sound. It was like every other night in every other way. Except today, you woke up just as the bad dreams started. You've heard rumors of sleep paralysis and the demons that the mind produces, but it was there right there. It was sitting on you, feeding. That ugly creature made your heart stop. It had no skin whatsoever, muscles and bones only, held together by what seemed like nothing. Its hair was long and white, flowing like it was in water. Blue and purple blood veins crisscrossed its body in such an unusual pattern, and then there was its eyes, yellow and reflective like those of a cat. Your breath was shallow and weak, 
non-existent as you stared into those unblinking golden eyes. You've heard stories of boogeymen stealing children from under their beds, or of men with alabaster skin and fangs drinking the blood of people in their sleep. Everyone has, but this was so different. This was real. And you fought. You tossed and you turned and you screamed and you lost. You felt the oxygen leave your lungs as that creature rended your flesh from your bones and you were still alive as it wrapped itself in you. Your face became its face, its skin and hair yours. You've died, but only because you fought back. This creature feeds off your soul and your energy, and fighting it was the worst thing you could have done. My friend, you are dead, and you will never see that monster as it walks from your home and returns to wherever it is that it came from. You'll never know its other victims, the ones it attacks and drains the soul from in their sleep. You'll never know that now, instead of being a skinless monster of the night, it will wear your skin. It will wear your skin as it decomposes, and it will wear your skin until some other poor man or woman tries to fight it. Let it ride. Let it suck and steal you, and when you wake up for the first time exhausted with the nightmares, know that you've been visited by the supernatural creature known as the Haint, or as the Boo Hag. While the name is dual purpose, it's important to note that the Boo Hag is also known for stealing unruly and rude children. And the story of hags sneaking into nurseries and the rooms of youngsters is often used as a way to get children to behave at night. Haints or boo hags are evil spirits who desire your soul energy, much like vampires seeking blood or werewolves seeking hearts. Haints are able to sneak into homes through open windows, open doors, keyholes, cracks in floors, walls, windows, and ceilings. Oh, so they can just get, get in. in. Yeah. There are very few ways to prevent them from getting into your home. However, similar to very many old world creatures, like vampires, Haints have a form of obsessive-compulsive disorder referred to as arithmomania. Arithmomania is when one has to count things when presented. And it's an easy way to deter many home invaders throughout the world. An easy way to prevent haints from entering your home is to just leave a bucket of sand or grain in your home or even on your front porch. These creatures cannot help themselves and must count every, each, and every individual grain before they can even think about coming into your home. They just have to know how many pieces of sand are in that five-gallon bucket. Just have to. That old broom that I mentioned earlier? Same deal. They have to count each and every bristle. The newspaper is a little more tricky. It can only work in large amounts, and a single copy of your local news would not stop the haint, though it would delay them. Turns out, haints love to read. But they have to read every single word of every single article before they can continue on their energy-sucking nightmare shenanigans. If you're single and not ready to mingle, you can always leave pasta strainers out around your home as well. Haints have to count every single hole in each coliander before they can continue on. What? I don't know why that word sounded wrong. 
Colander? That's what I said, wasn't it? Colander. I've always heard of Colander. Oh, that's fine. I just thought we'd determined we say things different around these parts because you ain't really West Virginian. <laughs> Don't want to simply defend yourself? Fantastic. Use blue bottles and stick them over twigs and branches of any small tree outside your house. These are referred to as bottle trees and are common forms of protection for most supernatural creatures in the American South. And they can still be found in the Appalachian region and the Atlantic coastal region of the United States today. Have you ever seen a bottle tree? I have. I'm so glad. Have you? Yes. Okay. The neighbor across the street actually used to have one until his tree got cut down. Um, I think one of the trees at my high school, like our art department was in the back of the school and it had like a little pond and there was a tree out there with... Adorable. Yeah. Bottles on it. Adorable. Now, bottle trees will not prevent the haint from entering your home. It just kills them. They cannot help themselves and will just go right into these bottles and then be unable to find their way out and just get stuck inside. As the sun will rise over the trees, the haints will burn alive and die inside those bottles, turning it black and staining the bottle as the haint dissolves inside for good. Particularly strong spirits will just live inside the bottles, causing them to ring and rustle in the wind. So if there's a bottle tree and some of the bottles are, like, blackened, you mean to tell me there's something, a haint that died in there? Mm-hmm. A haint or various other types of spirits, yes. Turns out bottle trees work for pretty much everything that's spirity. Does this make you want a bottle tree now? I've always wanted a bottle tree. It would just look cool. <laughs> but what would happen if you were armed for some reason in your sleep with just a single handful of salt? Tossing salt on the exposed flesh of this monster without being seen will, of course, lock it into place and it can't move. So it, 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 what do you mean without being seen? Oh, like while it's sitting there eating your soul, you have to just like toss some salt at it without it seeing you moving. Because if it sees you move, it thinks you're fighting back and will just kill you. So you gotta be really good at, you know, laying down and just like flipping salt. Like that. Okay. Okay. I'll start practicing, I guess. Okay. Now, it will continue to feed. It'll just keep eating you, so it's not like it's going to be a, an, a quick solution. But when the sun comes up, the haint will be so dried out, kind of turned into beef jerky, that it just can't move. And it'll die and burn alive as soon as the sunbeams strike it. But again, you got to be sneaky. If it sees you toss the salt, it'll stop feeding and just kill you. Repeat of the same story we learned a little bit earlier. Out of all preventative measures for these evil creatures, there is one that will work absolutely 100% of the time. It isn't silly, it isn't strange, but it did spark the creation of a whole new color. This color can be found on many old homes and businesses in the southern United States and is a specific shade of blue-green that looks almost like water. The color is known and marketed as haint blue and would be painted on porches and the ceilings of homes to ward away not only haints, but all forms of evil spirits and demons. Haint blue is still used today for a different reason though, bug repellent. The specific reason why is no longer a thing as it was believed to help deal with bugs and pests. Milk paint 
mixed with lye would have been a part of the original haint blue, which would have repelled bugs, but modern paints today do not include that concoction. Spirits would actively avoid this color scheme because of two very specific folklore sets. The first is the association of spirits and water. Water is believed to hold memory as well as allow the transfer of energy, according to many paranormal investigators, and areas with more water are often said to be more haunted, seeing as how water can hold the memories and emotions of the lost. Do you know what the most common place to put paint blue paint is? Where? Ceiling on your porch. Mm -hmm. So it's like they get up there, sneak onto the porch, and then they look up and they're like, like oh, water. Now, while important for increasing the amount of paranormal phenomenon, water is also poisonous to spirits. They like to be near it, but most spirits and apparitions can't cross running water. It's pure, and while it can power them, crossing water will sweep spirits and ghosts away, preventing them from being able to return. This is common across many cultures and works against a lot of supernatural creepy crawlies, such as vampires and even zombies. The other reason the blue works is because haints are afraid of sunlight and only come out at night. The bright blue color is said to not only look like a body of water, but the open sky during certain lighting conditions, and keeps the haints away due to their fear of being swept away into the open sky. While old brushes, containers of sand, and pasta strainers in your bachelorette crash pad could all work, the paint is often the easiest. Again, it's still in use today and can be purchased from most hardware stores and from all major paint suppliers. The hex code for this specific color of spirit blasting blue is 7ABAB1, and the RGB code is 122-186-177. I found a quote from the Sherman Williams Paint Company who even marketed a shade of blue sold by the company as protection against haints. That's fantastic. They even ran a segment on the color and its history in one of their newsletters. Just a whole, I read it. It's like three pages. Nice. Anyway, I think I'm going to paint my shutters this summer. What do you think? I feel like I should also paint my house, but it's not my house. I can't. Do it anyway. No one will say anything well, if you just have, paint the whole house. Don't they have to count uh, if you have flowers, flower petals mm -hmm. also? Okay. And anything with seeds. Oh, well, the, we have a whole um, garden at my house. I don't know if you knew that. I did not. Yeah, it was like a whole, like, six-row fucking... Adorable. Yeah, it's at the bottom of the hill. And I... there's a tree, and the tree has bird feeders in it, and so they're filled with bird seed, and the birds knock them down, so there's bird seed all over the ground. And I have the same thing. It's all over the outside roof. I've got two bird feeders over there. I have a cornfield. I know you do. <laughs> I have corn on my cornfield today. Do you? I can't wait until that corn, like, you know, corns. I can't wait for it. So I feel like my house is safe, even without the blue. I wonder if they have to count hairs, too, because we would both be safe between... For, I was going to say, first of all, just my head of hair. Yeah. Well, no, I meant like in the house. Because I think when they, once they get to you, it's a done deal. No, yeah. But like between your brubbies and brubbies. <laughs> the numerous creatures that live in my house, would they have to count each individual hair that's on the ground? Probably. 
For those of you who don't know, I want I call my dogs brubbies because they're brothers, but they're also bubbies, and I'm a southern woman, and I just like that word. But they're two St. Bernards, so they're hairy-ass motherfuckers. I also have two dogs. They're not brothers. One is a German Shepherd with uh, many, many disabilities, and the other is a pain in the ass. I'm not even going to mention what breed he is because I don't know. <laughs> He's just a horrible, terrible creature. Do you have anything else that you'd like to add about Haints? I did not know about them until we started doing our uh, Appalachian series. Oh, that's right! You can learn a little bit more about Haints in one of our previous episodes. Don't ask me which one. <laughs> I don't remember offhand which one it was, but... I just had to look up what one we talked about something else because of something else. But yeah. So there we go. Haints. Terrifying supernatural creatures that like to suck your soul out. So this October, uh, paint your house. <laughs> yeah, paint your house. <laughs> Hello, lovely humans. Steph here from Creepy Vibes Only, a comedy and horror podcast that covers nothing but the creepiest subjects. Tune in every Monday to get your dose of creepy for the week. Available on all major listening platforms and YouTube. See you soon! October 21st, which just so happens to be what day, Alyssa? <laughs> National Pumpkin Cheesecake Day. Which is important because... I'm eating a pumpkin cheesecake muffin from Starbucks. <laughs> Super good, by the way. <laughs> at this point, every episode we do includes at least two Starbucks drinks and a pastry. Have you noticed that? Well, it's on the way. So. It's on the way. I feel like we should, you know... The Starbucks woman... Sponsor knew your order like you didn't yes. really give it to her she was like i knew what she'd get yes it's amazing <laughs> it's amazing it's every time in case you're wondering brad is still drinking his apple my apple crisp macchiato iced with whole milk instead of oat milk and extra drizzle because i'm a basic bitch who needs sweet coffee and i switched it up and i got a chai latte because you don't need to say chai tea it's the same word with one shot of espresso oat milk and pumpkin because hello it's, it's fall. It's spooky season. I mean, we're recording this in September, but it's yeah. still fall. See, I actually prefer apple over pumpkin, with most exceptions. The main exception being pumpkin roll. I would kill a man for pumpkin roll. You know how difficult those are to like roll physically? Oh, I don't. And I don't <laughs> want to know. I just want to eat them. I don't care how they're made. I just need them my in my stomach. My cousin makes them homemade, and she's really good at them. I've had three since Walmart started selling them on my own. Like a whole pumpkin roll? Yes. Not all at once, right? No, like broken up into three different, like broken up into different days. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not that I'm judging. You can eat a whole pumpkin roll. I was just curious. I, I mean, That could I, be your dinner for all I care. I ate ice cream at two in the morning last night, so who am I? You know? It's okay. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I picked this first one for you. In 1520, Ferdinand Magellan and his fleet reached Cape Virginies. 
Becoming the first Europeans to sail into the Pacific Ocean. I thought you'd like that. I do like that. I like boats. Yeah. In 1902, the five-month strike of the United Mine Workers came to an end, which you can hear a little bit more about in episode 23, part of our Appalachian series. I talk a whole hell of a lot about the mine wars here in West Virginia. In 1918, Margaret Owen set the world typing speed record of 170 words per minute in one minute flat. On a manual typewriter. We tried. We tried this. Just on our respective Just, yeah. devices. I got 77 words per minute and Alyssa bitch got 79. <laughs> I've been chronically online for 15 years. I'm sorry. Mm. In 1959, the Guggenheim Museum, uh, designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, opened in New York. Guggenheim's a fun word. It is. That's today in history. Woo. Happy National Pumpkin Cheesecake Day. Woo! <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Strange History. We hope you enjoyed this spooky thrill of a ride and that you ain't too scared. Ew, I'm glad you read it, but I can't. <laughs> You'll be getting one more story to end it all for our Halloween special. And we're going to be covering a horrible, terrible man who you will absolutely love to learn more about. I mean, I've, 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 I know his name and the one thing you told me so far, and that's it. So. Oh, you're going to love this guy. I can't wait to get a... Bisexual icon, really. <laughs> Great. <laughs> As always, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. That's at Strange the Number 4 History for all of the recent updates, memes, and f random fun facts from Brad. You can catch these episodes on all streaming services like Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Good Pods, and wherever your ears are listening. And of course, always enjoy the strange, weird things that make us us. us.